Hello and welcome back to Country Roads Confidential here at Earsports.com. I am Mike Casaza. We are part of the 24-7 Sports Network. And we are talking to you well after midnight here, early Wednesday morning. West Virginia has moved to 3-1 in the conference and 14-2 overall with an 81-49 victory over TCU. That leaves the Big 12 with but one unbeaten team. That would be number two ranked Baylor. I'll give you my thoughts on that team in a second. West Virginia, TCU, and Kansas are 3-1. and one. Everybody else is no better or no worse than 2-2. Two and two. Got a feeling that the standings are going to be jumbled, that maybe the top half isn't too different, that maybe the bottom is closer to the top, or perhaps the top is closer to the bottom. But we will tell in time. I have learned my lesson from the Ohio State game and sometimes it's fun and inaccurate to anoint teams in the moment. I do think and did think that was a very significant win for West Virginia, and I thought highly of Ohio State and the offense that that team had but did not present against West Virginia in Cleveland. They lost a bunch of games since then before getting back on track Tuesday night. We'll see about TCU. There were indications that maybe the non-conference wasn't too impressive and that the three wins of Big 12 play certainly could have come against healthier competition. I'm not sure this is a top half of the conference opponent, but I do know that it can shoot and score, and it had been rebounding during a winning streak. And I watched West Virginia treat the Horned Frogs kind of like a cricket and just pull the legs and wings off. <laughs> what I mean by that is um, Desmond Bain's a good player. He took eight shots, um, and some of them were when the game was out of reach. He scored 13 points. He's averaging 17. Um, really hard to score when you don't have the ball. And West Virginia continues to be really good at that. This is a team, TCU, that really only had two big players. And West Virginia fouled both of them out. Um, this is a team that had been a pretty good three-point shooting team. Was making about 10 a game. Uh, went 7 for 23 tonight. So didn't attempt as many as normal. Didn't make as many as normal. And did not connect as often as normal. Um, TCU had gotten to this point by playing a certain brand of basketball, but the same is true of West Virginia. West Virginia does not let you shoot a high percentage, does not let you score from three-point range, does not let you rebound, does not give you anything easy around the basket, and all of that was true on Tuesday night. That's how West Virginia won this game, in part. The other reason that West Virginia won this game was because the offense surged. Derek Culver, 17 points on seven shots. He added 11 rebounds and four assists. Oscar McBride, boy, excuse me, Miles McBride got to 11 points. That is his seventh straight game in double figures. He only took seven shots. Oscar Shibway got 11 points, added six rebounds. He put on a low post clinic when he decided to put defenders on his back in the second half. And just go down the box score here. Sean McNeil, eight. Chase Harler, seven. Brandon Napper, five. Um, scoring in bunches here, and this game kind of took off. It was 9-9 early. West Virginia put on a really big run, and things kind of went in the direction of the home team when Jermaine Haley and Emmett Matthews both sat for the final 13-plus minutes of the first half. West Virginia outscored TCU by 14 points the rest of the half, and it was Harler and Naffer and McNeil and McBride and even Taz Sherman, um, though he did not score in that first half, kind of leading the direction. Uh, we've been mentioning this in short and long versions on our website that West Virginia kind of already was a unique team 
playing Sheboy and Culver together. Not a lot of teams can do that. Fewer teams can match that. We certainly saw that Tuesday night. But as Haley and especially Matthews have struggled and their playing time has diminished in relation to their worth offensively and perhaps even defensively, well, you still have to put five players on the floor. And West Virginia has used three and sometimes four guards. We saw that again on Tuesday night, and it worked. And perhaps there's a weird thing here where while those two have slid with the expectation that they will both rise again, other people have been given an opportunity to play more and spread their wings, and we're starting to see it happen. Uh, one thing I think you can like about this team right now, apart from all the defensive accolades that it has earned, apart from the personality individually and collectively that you can really identify and appreciate, apart from the hustle and the determination, all that stuff that you see, um, you can pick out spots today where you see players doing things because they feel really good. Um, they want to be a part of this. They want to contribute. They want to show something off that they've been working on. And it happened, I wouldn't say in bunches, but certainly in pieces Tuesday night. And you can pick out a number of examples there if you'd like. You know, Chase Harler makes a three. I think maybe you don't expect that from him, but that's certainly more of his game. But he also cut twice and got baskets. And that's something that he does all the time. Um, but to get connections today and to one time steal the ball from Shibuya under the basket and score, uh, that's because he's feeling it. And, and he's starting to really settle in and play with confidence, which is a good thing for him. Um, we saw McBride score and run the offense a little bit. We also saw him fly in for some rebounds, which I think they would like him to do more. That's a good thing. We saw Oscar Shibway pop up 16, 17 feet, smoothly catch and release a jumper that went right in, didn't bank, didn't hit the rim, didn't roll around. Not used to that, right? We saw Derek Culver play with his right hand. A lot of stuff like that where just people are working on something or eager to do something and chip in and be a part of this. And then when you get deeper into the game, a guy like Taz Sherman hits a three. When you get deeper into the first half, Sean McNeil makes a three. Fakes everybody out on another one where he's wide open. He steps in for a 12-footer and makes it. So a lot of this stuff is happening, which are good signs. This is a team that's obviously playing hard and working hard on the floor. We can assume the same is true of practice, but there's so much, I think, individual talent um, from the starting lineup to the edge of the bench that um, it can be hard sometimes to distinguish yourself. But maybe as people settle into playing time and roles and minutes, they're getting a little bit more comfortable to when and where and how they can flash. And we did see that. That was encouraging. Other signs that were encouraging, apart from just the nature of which they picked apart TCU, kind of played its game and did what you thought they could do, and they did. Um, certainly McNeil making a couple threes was a really good sign. Um, later in the game, though, Jermaine Haley got going, and it was an interesting point in the game where they had um, kind of let a big lead slip down to eight. And while that is the reputation of West Virginia, that's the reputation of West Virginia in the past. And I mean last year and in the years before where 10-point leads would sometimes disappear. I think this team guards too well and can play under enough control that it's hard to come back against them. Uh, this is not a team that's given away big leads and lost games. Um, not perfect in that regard, but it's not a pattern like it was before. So a lead gets cut down to eight. We go into a timeout, and Bob Huggins decides to get the ball to Jermaine Haley. They run a back screen for him that looks pretty familiar. It's a lob pass from McCabe and a dunk for Haley. And then he ends up with 11 points on four for six shooting. He had 16 points in the previous four games. He had not been in double figures since the Youngstown State game. And again, he kind of ceded some playing time to another guard to where West Virginia was playing 
three guards on him on the floor. And maybe he was sliding over to play Emmett Matthews spot. Um, that was interesting to see him come back tonight in that pretty impressive fashion. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Matthews, though, continues to be a concern. No points. 0 for 1 shooting in 15 minutes. He is the only player, well, I guess the only regular who played, um, who did not score. Spencer Mack got in, did not score. Um, actually Logan route did not score either. No, he made two free throws. Let me check my stats here. Uh, yes, route did make two free throws. So Spencer Mackey and Emmett Matthews jr. Do not score. And I thought for a minute that Emmett Matthews may get the Spencer Mackey minutes late in the game with about five minutes left. He went back in maybe just to see if he could pull it out and get it going. Um, kind of in a tailspin right now. So if you get things straight, maybe you add another punctuation mark to this game. At West Virginia had a bunch of them. Maybe that would work. Didn't work out. 0 for 1. One rebound, one assist, two fouls, 15 minutes. And it's really bizarre. Um, I don't know how or why it's happened. I do think there's some validity to this theory we've had where this is a team that was so focused on Sheway and Culver and then early coincidence, excuse me, early and then simultaneously did I mention it's after midnight? Early and simultaneously trying to get their guards going. And then later on, even as Culver and Shibai got uh, untangled and started to flourish separately, um, you still had to figure out what's going on with the guards. And you have Matthews who's kind of in the middle of it and um, is not a selfish player um, and kind of has to rely on other people to get his sometimes, whether it's rebounding or cutting and catching a pass or floating around in the motion offense and getting it. Maybe he's not the focal point and it's hard for him to get in the role. But this kind of funk that he's in right now is just – I would say concerning because he's such a talented player and you wouldn't expect it. It's also quizzical because he was so good early in the season. It really bailed them out in some tough spots on the road against Pitt uh, late in that game against Wichita State. Whether it was a stretch or an entire game, he was kind of the player who had asserted himself. So um, it would be stunning if this continued to disappear and slip to a state of disrepair. And the, the overwhelming feeling for West Virginia is it'll come back with him sooner or later. And again, I think what's good about this team right now is that it's not costing them games. And we're seeing people who are flourishing, um, even while one of their better players is having a rough go of it right now. It doesn't make a lot of sense, especially when you see Matthews move around. It doesn't look like he's injured. It doesn't look like he's at a loss for confidence. But you can kind of tell, too, that it's just not clicking for him right now. Someone who it is clicking for, Gabe Osaboyan. I wonder if we've seen a player like him ever. It's been a long time. And I'm going to give you a comparison in a minute here. And I'm not even sure it's one I'm comfortable giving because I think that they're different. 
But I think that there's enough parallels there that it can make sense. But he scored three points. He only took two shots. He played 21 minutes. His plus minus was 28. Um, three points, five rebounds, five assists, three steals. He was everywhere. He was disruptive on defense, um, just doing things, calling stuff out, directing traffic, switching, sliding, poking balls free. Just was a completely collected presence on that side of the floor. Sometimes gets beat, recovers. Pretty good at help defense, too, which is a big part of this team on some of the stuff they're talking about when they reference rotations. Um, and then just, again, taking charges when he's helping or when he's retreating against someone who's going to try to drive against him. Um, it really gets the offense going. It gets the crowd going. Crowd is exceptional on Tuesday night. More on that in a second. He's a unique player. Um, and in the second half, when this game really started to come apart for TCU, the score was expanding on them. They were losing post players pretty quickly. They ran a high-low play five or six times in a row where he starts low with one of the post players and he goes up high. And that post player has to make a decision. That's the player who's defending Osaboyan has to say, am I going to float up and guard him? And if I do, I'm going to abandon the double team down low. Well, they kept doing that. And Osaboyan kept bouncing it inside. And it was Sheboy and Sheboy and Sheboy and Culver and Culver in a row. Uh, free throws or baskets. And again, like I said, just pulling the wings and the legs off of TCU because West Virginia could. Um, struggle with post-entry passes throughout the first half. But then Osaboyan got everybody on track and was very good at that. Um, so, again, five assists, and he sent players to the line, I believe, four other times. He also drew five fouls, which is amazing when you consider how non-offensive he is. What will be interesting to see in future games now is how teams respond to that high-low because nothing against Mr. Osaboyan. Why the heck would you cover him from the foul line extended? Uh, let him shoot and let him dribble it. I think West Virginia thinks that he can drive and score. Um, we'll see about the jumper. He's not an offensively inclined player. I'm not sure that he's not gifted offensively. He seems like he's pretty comfortable doing what he has to do. <sighs> and forgive me if you don't agree with this. There's some Cam Thurman in there. Um, just does enough stuff that you can kind of celebrate. I think the ceiling is higher and the ability is higher and the athleticism is higher for Osa Buen right now. But when you think about parallels to, let's say, the Final Four team, one guy who would come in and mix things up and throw himself around and sometimes throw Luke Heron goatee around, um, that was Thurman. And Thurman would just do simple stuff. Um, could score, didn't need to, didn't want to sometimes, but you would look down and he would have five rebounds and four assists and three steals. And, um, and that was a really important part of that team. Everybody liked him. He was selfless on a team that had some pretty big personalities. Um, again, I think Osaboyan is a better player and, again, has a higher ceiling. But I see similar things. We look down and he's filling up a stat sheet. Playing more, playing better. But I think you have to have a guy like that in your team to make things work. And everybody seems to like him, and he seems to be pretty happy with it. I also think our new favorite moment of the year, and this may last for quite some time, even as I'm obsessed with updating my dunk tracker and talking about high ball screen defense, things like that, end of the first half, McNeil makes a three with about eight seconds left, and TCU takes the ball out of the basket, sprints the other way. Osaboyan tries to take a charge. Uh, instead, TCU was called for a travel, and Osaboyan was livid. He wanted the charge. He wanted that uh, that notch on his belt, I guess, but live without that one, I suppose. Uh, one last note here. Tuesday night, a night game. Uh, it's the second day of the semester, so students are 
you know, scattered sometimes. Uh, 11,445 people came. That's about 3,000 less than Saturday. But at the end of his press conference, right before midnight Tuesday, Bob Huggins said, hey, guys, can you do me a favor? Can you say how great the student crowd was? Um, and truth be told, it was a very strong student crowd. I haven't seen it fill that section from bottom to top and left to right uh, like it did for quite some time. So if you are a student, if you know a student, um, you should know that the head coach noticed and appreciated your performance on Tuesday night. West Virginia's next game on the road Saturday against Kansas State. Going to be a weird one. Could be 50 to 48, maybe even in an overtime, just the way those teams seem to play sometimes. But uh, again, good things happening for West Virginia in wins. 57.7% tonight from the floor. I don't know how I forgot about that. It's an unbelievable number when you consider the things we were talking about for this team not too long ago. But that's the highest shooting percentage since November of 2017 and the best in a Big 12 game since January of 2016 against TCU. So if West Virginia can travel with the defense, which seems to be the case, and pack a little bit of that offense, uh, we'll have a much better chance against the Wildcats. And if they do win Saturday, the Mountaineers will have matched their win total for all of last season. You think about that. That's all for this time. I will see you next time for EarSports.com. I'm Mike Cazazza.